0: What I've been working on and just saturating on this topic is the title is What Hinders the Presence of Christ? What Hinders the Presence of Christ? Now, if you're new or you haven't heard me say this before, I want to clarify this because it does get a little confusing. And I know it does because people ask me, well, isn't God everywhere? And He is. But the tangible presence... Like when you can literally get up from praying and know that Jesus heard your prayers. You can feel the atmosphere. You can feel the atmosphere. And there's something where God is there. The presence of God. And you're being guided by the Holy Spirit. The fruit is there. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness. And the enemy wants to steal that fruit. Amen? Today was Monday and I was not filled with fruit for a little bit. But there's a presence there that you can have. And if you don't think atmosphere matters, just compare this to an Ozzy Osbourne concert. Just compare this to sitting down with some people in their home smoking dope and see where, where with music on, that's not God. You, you tell me atmosphere doesn't matter. You tell me that you can't feel sometimes a tangible presence of God. And that's what I want to talk about because we can hinder the presence of Christ and the theme of Ren the Heavens is an atmosphere of prayer. Praying for his presence is the title I was going back and forth on, but I want to just stick here with what hinders the presence of Christ. Because when his presence is, is tangible, it's real, there it changes everything. It changes your desire for worship. It, I'm, I'm sure many of you were not in a hurry to leave during worship, I'm assuming. You know that it changes your marriage. It changes your parenting. There's, there's the tangible presence of Christ, makes a difference. And what we did with uh, Rend the Heavens, it began with a prayer of desperation. Did it not? Many of you remember that. It began with a prayer of desperation, oh God, that you would rend the heavens that you would rip open the heavens and come down and, and the mountains might shake at your presence. And he goes on to say that the enemies would know that you are the God of the Bible. That as fire burns the brush and the wood and the trees, as fire makes water boil, oh God, would you make your presence known again. And that's what our nation needs. That's what our state needs. And that's what's happening. If you look around, they've drifted from the fear of the Lord. There is no God in their mind, so they become gods and all kinds of perversion results. Romans one, they gave up the truth, and God gave them over to a perverse and debased mind and that's exactly what if you're going, what is going on? That's what's going on. No God, no godliness and so I believe that's a, that's a prayer we can do. God would you rend the heavens? and then I love what it says towards the end. Who acts for the one? Who waits for him, who acts for the one who waits for him. And many of you have heard me say that, you know, especially on Sundays, uh, it was especially, I like reading about the Puritans. I don't know why, just the Pilgrims, the Puritans coming over the Mayflower Compact and to the glory of God, the, grant, the advancement of the Christian faith. Strong Puritans like John Owen, William Burnell, uh, of course, you know, you've read Pilgrim's Pro- Progress, John Bunyan, uh, William Bradford. I mean, these guys, it's amazing. How much they just love the Lord. And they got a little carried away in some things, I think. But you know, at least I'd rather get carried away on that side than loosey-goosey. But it, it, as I'm reading, it's always interesting in their journals, the Lord's day. Now we we call it the Lord's hour. Do you know most church services are about an hour total? And even when the the, the the story and things came out about what we're doing, if, why are you having church on Halloween? Why are you why are you doing that all week? It doesn't well, why aren't you? Why aren't you pursuing more of God? And so that's where that's that's what my heart is. My those who wait on the Lord, the Lord's day they would come in, not be in a hurry they would read some scripture they would worship they would sing psalms they would have communion they'd have fellowship afterwards and even eat a little bit and more worship and it was the lord's day the day of the lord and i think especially now we 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 know that phones can be a blessing and social media can be a blessing and the busyness is is can be okay but if we're not careful we can get too busy And so, what began in Isaiah here and also in our own church with this cry, this this prayer, Lord, rend the heavens. And it begs the question tonight what else can begin with a desperate prayer? And you're like, are you desperate for your kids to know the Lord? Are you desperate to be healed? Are you desperate to to come back to the Lord and have the joy of the Lord in your heart again? Are you desperate to get rid of that critical spirit and that critical heart? And like he, Ronnie said yesterday, that unforgiveness that is eating you up. Something special can happen if you pray. Oh God, rend the heavens and clean me. A book I was reading. It's called Fire Upon the Altar. He said this: the spiritual battle, the spiritual battle in which the Christian is engaged, is fierce. Any amens on that one? Wow. It is no game. Satan is intent upon destroying the presence of Christ from our lives. There are no vacations from spiritual warfare. Actually, when I go on vacation, that's usually when I don't feel as good spiritually. That is why the fire must be kept burning. And you, you, Bible scholars, you'll, you know that when God came down and consumed the altar and brought his fire, they were, they were called to maintain that fire and never let the fire on the altar go out. What a great picture in our own hearts. Never let the fire go out. Whatever is distracting you or pulling you away from God, whatever is wanting to quench and put out that fire, that fire must keep going. Every time the church is revived, she always goes back to the old paths. Did you know that? There's nothing new. There's not new methods, or let's try this, or let's 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 try this hot luck kind of survey and also do a giveaway. And everyone who comes tonight gets a hundred dollar gas card. And you know, you you probably have more people. But any time the church is revived, or you personally, any time you're revived, when I was revived and renewed and restored and, and pretty much it felt like I was reborn again, any time that happens, the person or the church goes back to the old paths. From Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads. You have a crossroads. The road is turning the, 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 the broad road or the narrow road? When you're at the crossroads, he said, Look, ask for the ancient paths, ask for the good old way, ask where that good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not do that. So, what do you say to that question tonight? Will you walk in that good way? That old path? The narrow road? Desperation is where salvation begins as well. And I know there's people watching, even here tonight, you don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus. Or you're being drawn to that, but you haven't yet fully surrendered and committed and it begins here desperation is where salvation begins as well see how important desperation is a whole sermon on desperation would be pretty cool The power of desperation. The cost of desperation. And because desperate people do desperate things. Have you ever seen those videos now when, when those people are getting more brazen to try and just go grab a child in broad daylight? The mom goes, mama bear on them. There's a, there's a desperation. They're, she's pulling their hair. She's kicking them. She's swinging her purse and hitting them because there's desperation. And it goes back to that for believers and even unbelievers. You've got to get to a point you say, I'm not good with God. I don't know where I'm going to go. I can't live my life with a question mark here. I'm desperate desperate to hear from You, Lord. I need to know You. And that desperation leads to repentance. Woe be to the person who is okay. Unbelief not only hinders the presence of Christ, it prevents it unbelief, unbelief won't hinder the presence of Christ. There is no no presence of Christ because deep repentance needs to take place. So I want to talk to you just about five hindrances to the presence of Christ. Number one, no secret here. Secret sin. Secret sin always hinders secret prayer. It's hard to go deep in prayer when there's secret sin, isn't there? Jeremiah 8.12, the people no longer even blushed. And in Ezekiel 9.4, God said, this is incredible, mark those, mark those who groan and sigh over the abominations of the land. It would be like God saying to the Spirit of God, go and mark those in this service who are crying out to Me and are so Broken over the condition of this nation, they're so broken over the sex trafficking, and that what we're vote we're actually we're going to vote that you can kill a baby up to birth. I mean, Lord help us, or even after. I mean, who knows what they won't stop anywhere. You see, that's the thing people don't realize: you give an inch, and Lord, it breaks my heart with the LGBTQ and transgender agenda, not the people. What the agenda is trying to push a mutilization on children. Lord, it breaks our heart, the abomination. And, and, and I want to love the sinner, but God, I've got to fight this agenda and, and just look at what is going on. And God says, mark those. Mark those who sigh and are broken over the same thing that breaks my heart. And that's the people I'm going to mark. That's the people I'm going to watch and, and raise up and listen to because their heart is the heart of my heart, the heart of the Father. Compassion and brokenness. James 5:15 through 17. The effective isn't this incredible? It doesn't say the prayer of a man avails much. I mean, that would be pretty cool, but he gets a little bit serious I mean he fine he fine-tunes it for us. The effective effective means pointed, targeted uh um it it, 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 ha- it hits its mark the effective fervent fervent anybody have any fervency you got some tonight i hope. There's some fervency. I'm Lord, I'm targeted and I'm, I'm positioning. It was said that you could see where A.W. Tozer pray, prayed in his office because the carpet was worn. It was said of John Hyde that he would stain the very breath of his walls with his prayers. It was said of uh, another one of those Methodist circuit riders that after his death, the, the grooves in his hardwood floor were there because there was fervent, effectual prayer calling down heaven. Church, we need to get back to that. You might not rub things in your carpet, but you better pull down heaven. heaven. Heaven at home. There is no other hope right now for us. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a man who is in right standing with God, avails much. It will prevail. Thank God the Bible paints an accurate picture. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Wow, so he got upset. I won't go too deep there. that could hurt. A a nature like ours. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Lord, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it in the courts above. Prone to wander. He was a man like us. Basically, to me, there's no reason we can't pray like Elisha. There's no super Christians in the Bible. And he prayed... Well, here's another word. He prayed quickly earnestly earnestly you see there's there's passion and fervency and and he said it would prayed it would not rain it did not rain on the land for three years and six months and it was of course to judge the wicked king and the land and things like that but it's 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 james is pointing out the context of james 5 is answered prayer so the effective fervent prayer And again, the book Fire Upon the Altar. Where there's no communion with God, our lives are spent in darkness. We see nothing, we hear nothing, we have no answers. Spiritual death sets in. And can we agree that this is where most Christians live? Most Christians live. They see nothing, they hear nothing, they have no answers. Spiritual death has set in because there's no communion, no fervency with God. I just, oh, I'm going to step on toes. I think tonight. Permission to step on toes? Okay, okay. I would do it anyway, but that's okay. It's good. have. To... But a friend of mine was so discouraged, saying, "I, Shane, I can't believe." How many people are, you know, saying things and mocking me because I'm not celebrating Halloween? I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. that. Just that really is a gauge of their spiritual health. You just need to pray with them. And, and 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 when people come against you, now if you if you have pumpkin seeds and your kid dressed like a dinosaur, I mean, you're not, you know. But you know, what I'm saying there there shouldn't be a love for the darkness there shouldn't be a, a a love and 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 I know people say, I can't go tonight because I'm trick or treating and they're dressing up as witches and and warlocks and and I yeah I would be very careful there there's there's no there's your communion with God might be suffering because darkness should never entertain there there should be a desire for the things of God and and the desire to to not be dying spiritually And I know it's difficult. I mean, some people are opening their homes and passing out tracts, and there's flexibility. You know, let's not get legalistic, but there shouldn't be an excitement over over darkness and and wanting to dress up like witches and warlocks and put skeletons and graveyards in your front grass. Folks, That's a spirit-filled believer is not going to do that. I'm just telling you. So you need the presence of God. You need the communion with God. I even walked through Home Depot and see the decor, and I'm like, oh, Gosh man and it's hard to explain and see you have to know a lot of people if they're not where you're at you just have to show grace just show grace and love and understanding and and they're not i we're not i wasn't there 25 years ago 30 it's my my favorite holiday we'll leave that we'll leave that alone so we see here, hindrance to His presence is secret sin. So deep repentance opens the door for His presence. The presence of Christ always starts for an unbeliever when they repent. And it often is what draws the believer back to the heart of the Father when repentance takes place. Just read the letters that Jesus wrote. to ch- Jesus wrote the church Letters. Is that amazing or what? You should pour over those as often as possible. Two of the seven did pretty good. But five of them, He said, I have this against you. Or this, or you've done this. You say you're full, need of nothing. You've left your first love. Oh, you have sound doctrine, but you don't have the fire of God and the brokenness. And return, what is repentance? It's to turn and return to the right path and folks repentance opens the door to his presence of all the revivals i've ever read about all the revivals i've studied about repentance is is the highest theme up there the fear of god and repentance and confession of christ and the blood of christ and powerful prayer and heartfelt fasting and night seeking him and waiting on him there's a there's a repentance that takes place a deep yearning for the presence of god and to even repent lord i repent of my lukewarmness i repent repent of drifting from you and putting other things before you. I've left my first love and I need to go back to that. I repent. I change my mind from the bad direction I'm going and I refocus on the direction You've called me to. That will bring you back. And number two, hindrance to His presence is, is when we're too full. Did you know you can get too full of the things of the world? We all know, we've reached our capacity many times. Anybody ever say, I'm about ready to have a nervous breakdown. I'm too busy. I'm juggling too many plates. I can't get a grip around things. I'm I'm falling behind. And I'm convinced now more than ever before that busyness is one of the enemy's greatest tools. Because you can be busy and be drifting away from God. But I'm busy doing good things, but are they God things? Are they taking the place of Him? Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. In other words, what would they, the image there is, this person wants you to do this, this master wants you to do this. Okay, I want you to do this, God says, I want you to pursue me, and the world says, I want you to do this. Okay, well, try. Serving both of those. Because as we know, one way or the other, as I pursue God, I give up these things. And as I pursue these things, unfortunately, God goes on the back burner. You cannot serve both of these. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon in full. And while we're on the topic this month of of fasting, don't worry, this is the last day of October fast, so here we go. One benefit of prayer and fasting is that it empties us. It empties us. From the book, God's Chosen Fast, if you have been brought low through personal defeat, amen, if there is a call in your soul to a deeper purifying Work to a renewed consecration. If there is the challenge of some new task for which you are not equipped, then it's time to inquire of God whether he would not have you separate yourself unto him in prayer and fasting. Here's why this is so important. I just this is really hit a couple of weeks ago. I shared it, I think, with Morgan and Pastor Abram and wanted to get it to you tonight. We forget the power of moderation. The practice of moderation strengthens discipline. Does it not? Here comes that. You know what? No. The second serving. How many of us have done that? Man, that's my downfall. I'll tell you. If the first plate felt good, tasted good, and here we are in November... But, in all things, moderation you do that thing that we 're addicted to or we have too much of and it's now control- we thought we could control it, but now it's controlling us and and once you give up an area of moderate and, and of, of self discipline begins to fade in one area, it affects other areas as well that's why the Bible would often tie in gluttony and alcoholism and different things and lust for food lust for meats and it, it it's because once that that discipline of moderation begins to fade away, it's hard to walk that, that narrow path. And I, I want to encourage you, I'm not talking about perfection, I'm not talking about perfect diets, I'm not talking, I'm just talking about you telling the flesh to shut up, and you control the flesh versus it control you. Andrew Murray said, only in a life of moderation and self-denial will there be sufficient heart and strength to pray much. And this whole, this word of self-denial kind of gets, you know, if you think of people probably think like monasteries and, and the monks, how they used to whip their back with their, you know, Martin Luther did that too. And it, that's self-denial is really denying self, and you controlling it versus it controlling you. That's why fasting is so powerful. You're saying, no, bodily appetite? No. I'm saying, no, I'm moderating you. I'm denying you, and then therefore your strength is minimized, and I'm beginning to be more disciplined in my behavior, which follows into spiritual... Di- Have you ever noticed when you get, when you get off with physical disciplines and things. Your, your spiritual disciplines, uh, do not get very, they don't get very strong either. They begin to fade away. Bible reading, not as much. Time with the Lord, not as much. Church attendance, not as much. Worship, not as much. Because the spiritual and the physical are interwoven often. 1 Corinthians 9.27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I bring it into control and obedience. Now, it's a struggle. It's not easy. Every day is kind of challenging with the flesh, is it not? I just, just dawned on me today. It's every single day for the rest of my life. It wants to eat too much, drink too much, sleep too much, gossip too much. All kinds of just just fleshly desires want to come out of it. And that's why Paul said, I discipline, I bring it under... Basically, it's saying no. No, I'm not going to go in that direction. And he says when I preach to others, I could become disqualified. Basically, I could be hindered in the work that God has called me to. And Matthew Henry in his great commentary wrote about the danger of yielding to fleshly desires, pampering the body and its lust and its appetites. Isn't that so true? I mean, even when they wrote these things, they do not live where we... It's way, way more challenging for us today, I believe. You've got things on every corner. You've got our favorite addiction is just a drive-away 24-7, seven days a week open. And and the fulfilling the desires of the flesh... But let me remind you that His presence is attracted to weakness. His presence is attracted to weakness. And that's what happens when we say, you know what, I'm going to give up some of these things. I don't need to go on social media six hours a day. I don't need to do all this. I don't need to consume so much. I'm going to, Lord, I-, I need Your strength. I am so weak in this area. We give it up. And the presence of God begins to rest on that weakness as we empty ourselves. That's just a biblical truth. The more you empty yourself, the more filled you can be with the Spirit. You don't believe me? Try coming to a prayer meeting after Thanksgiving dinner. I'm going to to try this. Thursday the 24th, about 6.30, let's have a prayer meeting. What Did I not just prove my point? What happens when you sleep too much? You don't want to get up. Now when you get up, you're running behind. This area is so important. The practice of moderation strengthens discipline. And the more we moderate our flesh and deny it, as I'm denying it, and Lord, I'm suppressing it, and I'm weak, and I, but when you're weak, you are strong, Paul said. And so the presence of Christ becomes real and evident. And then number three, hindrance to the presence of Christ is a lack of Desperation. A lack of desperation. We see from the rend the heavens Scripture earlier, There's a there can be a lack of desperation, meaning it's not important or urgent enough. Have you ever said, Lord, I need to know now. I need to know now. Oh God, would You rend the heavens? Would You come down and rip open the heavens? I need You to move now. I don't know how much longer my kids are going to 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 even live or to be in my house. and, And things are getting more haywire. I don't know about my marriage. I don't know about my physical state. Lord, I need to know now. I need to hear from the God of the Bible. And I am so desperate. I'm going to come to this altar. I'm so desperate. I'm going to go to the prayer room. I'm so desperate. I'm going to make major changes in my life to begin to seek You with all of my heart and all of my strength tonight and in tomorrow morning. Lord, things have got to die in my life. There's a desperation. Remember I said it many times before. Desperate people do desperate things. They might cut off relationships that are pulling them down. They might get rid of the things that are distracting them. I am so desperate. I am so angry and frustrated that I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. I'm going to seek your heart. Desperation. Why are we meeting all week? One word. Desperation. Desperation. You think we'd be as inclined or motivated to go if gas prices were back down to a dollar thirty, like many years ago, and our military's strong, and China and Russia are bowing, and there's no everyone's being converted, there's no ulterior motives, there's no promoting of sexual perversion or a little, and the church is dominating, and and your favorite president is elected, and you know everything's going great. Where's the desperation? And that's one thing the cancel culture is doing. It's waking people up. Just ask Luke Bryan how he's doing this week. Don't you dare have DeSantis up on your stage during a country concert. God forbid. Cancel, 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 cancel. We need to start waking up to the fact that evil is not going to like us when we live for Christ. And when we stand for righteousness, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. Desperate people do desperate things. They do good things. They do God things. And the average Christian gets by with just enough to keep them lukewarm but not on fire. Isn't it true? We do just enough to keep, you know to keep that, that lukewarm fire going that fire on the on the on the water there in the kitchen it's just just enough to keep a little temperature and we've got to get back to the to the heat of pursuing Christ you need to you need to ask the lord to give you desperation tonight look into the eyes of our children our grandchildren and where things are going and there's 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 a desperation I mean we we've got to we've got to get desperate about the needs in our country number 4 the hindrance to number the fourth hindrance to his presence we just read in in James as well a lack of fervency do you know what fervency is turn up the heat now you do turn up the heat there's a, there's, a, there's a fervency. Turn up the heat. William Gurnell, a uh, Puritan, I believe he wrote The Complete Armor. Christian in The Complete Armor. Big volume. He said, cold praying is no more prayer than a painting of fire is fire. Just let that sink in. Many people are praying in the same way that they're looking at a picture of a fire, they see it, but they sure don't feel it. You should have came in our prayer room this evening. That's fervency. That's seeking the heart of God. Cold praying is no more, no more prayer than a painting of fire is a painting of fire is fire. How can prayers that do not even warm your heart move God's heart? But isn't that true? It hurts, but it's true. And I'm right there with you. Sometimes prayer is cold and formal. And I know God still hears it. He's not, I mean, volume. He's not listening for volume. He hears the weeping and the cries, the gentleness. But there's a fervency. Why? Because fervency is usually passion. It's passion. Without desperation and fervency, prayer is like sitting in front of a picture of fire. You see it, but you don't feel it. That's why I shared with you the Scripture before many times. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We're saying, Jesus, You're a priority and I'm going to pursue You. I'm going to pursue You in prayer. That's why we want to create an atmosphere of prayer. We want to encourage You to Sunday morning prayer. We want to encourage You to prayer before the service. We want to encourage You to prayer during this. We want You to take this fire home and have a home of prayer. Now, don't start thinking, boy, I bet Pastor Shane has a wonderful prayer life at home with all his kids and family. No, it's very challenging. It's embarrassing sometimes. But we're going to be fervent. We're going to pursue. Pursuing His presence doesn't always mean filling His presence. hope that helps someone tonight. When you pursue Him, sometimes you don't always fill it. Have you ever said, I'm just not filling it tonight? Well, Welcome to the club. That's why perseverance is so important. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Basically, He rewards those who seek after Him despite how they feel. Because it genuinely reveals their heart. And, there, and you know there's a breakthrough about to happen, don't you? You know, pursuing God and 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 Lord, I don't feel it, but I know because you're the God of the Bible. You're the God who answers prayer. This is what your word says. Your word says, if I seek you, I will find you, regardless of how I feel. Your word says, where two or three are gathered there in your name, therefore you are in their midst. If you say the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you if you say these things, I don't feel it, and that's why I believe Paul encouraged Timothy. Timothy, be ready in and out of season. You've got to be ready, regardless of. how you feel because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine so no matter how you feel you get up timothy and you preach the word and you don't know it but many times i come up here and i'd rather just go home but i've got to be responsible to god and be in that fervency and pursuing and let the word of god go forth and penetrate the heart regardless of my feelings And here's another key. The cost we pay reveals your desperation, your level of desperation. What you're willing to pay re- is, is, is a measure of your desperation. And I, and I hate to keep bringing up prayer meetings and things like that, but that is the gauge of spiritual health often. I'm, I'm desperate, so I'm, I don't care if I can't go to Cinemark because I don't have enough gas. I'd rather go to church. Right, the cost we're willing to pay—the cost reveals how desperate we are. We can embarrass ourselves tonight if I would to bring up statistics, and not even that, but even the the life of the underground church in in Africa, or the, when there where there's Muslim persecution, or in the Middle East, or in China, where they're walking. Hello, walking to church services. With kids, a couple hours going to hear a speaker, going they need to hear from God. There's no other hope. There's no blue cross. There's no Medi-Cal 401 ks They just they're just barely getting by that day. No shoes in the dirt going to church because they, they're desperate. They need to hear from God. That's why I believe you'll see genuine healing taking place. Eyesights opening, kids being delivered, tumors shrinking. Why? Because there's no other plan, God. This is, this is you and you alone. I can't. I'm so desperate. The cost, the cost I'm willing to pay. You know how many people, I believe their job is actually hindering their walk with the Lord? Their fullness is actually hindering their walk with the Lord. Too many toys. The more, the more you own, the more owns you. The cost. I'm giving this up because I have to pursue you. Many of us, there's people who've given up careers to get involved in church. And there was a cost involved. There's a cost involved to come here every day of the week and come to prayer first and stay for three hours for church and pray with people and pour into people as laundry backs up and responsibilities get thrown to the side and things that I want to do, I can't do. Same with you. There's a cost. Why? Because there's desperation. So that if there's no cost, there's no desperation. Think about it. I'll come to church if it's at a time I can make it, when it's convenient, if there's gas in the car, as long as it doesn't, you know, kind of mess up my Netflix binge, and as long as this sport event isn't happening, whether it's the, the NBA finals or the World Series or the Super Bowl, all, if it, if it, if, if all that still fits, then I'll make it. It, it, am i just not saying the truth the cost the cost reveals the desperation the fifth hindrance to his presence failure to slow down failure to, this is a little bit different than too busy many christians especially in america we've got to slow down because we're too busy to wait on god too preoccupied to pursue Him, and too wrapped up to worship Him. Too busy to wait, too preoccupied to pursue, and too wrapped up to worship. Is that not hitting home? He acts for the One who waits for Him. Remember what we talked about earlier. He acts for the One who waits for Him. And waiting also is a great gauge that measures importance. And that's why, you know, sometimes people say, you know, you guys do, your services are too long. Okay, but you should see the fruit. I'm looking at the fruit. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at the fruit. And because sometimes it takes a little time. I can't push three minutes on a microwave and have my relationship with God restored. Sometimes that. First two worship songs, you know, and you're, you're kind of thinking about the day and then now you're singing about his presence and how he breaks every chain and now God's starting to work in your heart. Now you're, you're, you're starting to, to, to see a little bit of how he can change you and then another song comes on and you see how he is the great and and powerful God and and you and you begin to even amazing grace might come on and how sweet the sound that saved a red and now God begins to do heart surgery and any heart surgeon will tell you the surgery does not over in fifteen minutes they they haven't even opened the, the the stitch line yet there's a waiting time of, of of pressing in and drawing closer to God and that's what we're trying to foster here and teach our ignite kids don't be in a hurry you can't rush God. It's often at critical and key moments through times of waiting on him that he moves. You guys know the story in Acts after what about 20 30 minutes the spirit of God fell and then they changed the world? That's right. They had to stay the night there. waited And waited. And I picture myself sometimes, I'd be like, oh man, guys, five days. Now personally, I don't think they just stayed in there, locked the door, never came out. Maybe some of them went to work, had to get some food. You know, bathrooms in the house are kind of a new thing. So, you know, there was, but there was a, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of, but there was a waiting. It could have been like this. It could have been when the day was over. When they did their thing, they went and waited in the upper room. They waited in the upper room. They waited in the upper room. And in that waiting time, it was not wasted time. And I just see so many people, they are so busy. Especially men. You know how we rate success? By how busy we are. I did for many years. Man, that guy's so busy. And now I kind of cringe when people say that. Just say I'm full. I'm really full right now. I'm not too busy. Full of the things of God. But busy doing what? Buying things we can't afford. Pursuing things we really don't need. Lack of spending time with our family. Pursue, I'm too busy to pursue God. And here's why it's so deceptive. It can make you think that you're doing something very effective, Martha. But Mary is the one waiting at His feet. Oh, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. She's not helping me cook. She's not helping me clean. All good things. Praise God for cooking and cleaning. But see, she was worried about too many things. And, 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 and But Mary has chosen. Chosen. Mary has chosen what is best. Time and intimacy with me. Some things have got to go. Have got to go. Some of you need to start getting to bed earlier. And seek God early in the morning. Some of you guys need to reprioritize your evening. If you're evening people, I can't relate to the evening people. My mind shuts off here in about an, about an hour. i got about an hour before... Oh no, it's getting closer. Do what works for you. Do what works for you. But you've got to prioritize to where Christ is first. Jesus often went to places of solitude. Jesus did. Why? To hear from the Father. To connect. Andrew Murray said, once faith has taken... This is, this is going to be so important for you and me. I love this, this when I came across it this week. Once faith has taken its stand on God's Word in your heart and the name of Jesus, and you have yielded yourself to the leading of the Spirit to seek only God's will and honor Him in prayer... You need not be discouraged by delay. Anybody here discouraged by delay? I know this room is not being honest. Balcony, you guys are all pretty spiritual. No, we know delay every one of us. Why isn't such and such coming to the Lord yet? Why isn't this happening? What's happening with, where's my breakthrough? Where's my healing? Lord, why are you taking me through all this? But once your faith has taken a stand on God's Word, and the name of Jesus Christ and you yield to the leading of the Spirit Lord I just want to seek only your will and I'm going to honor you in prayer and petition you I'm not going to be discouraged by delay because delay is not deny necessarily and waiting time is not wasted time it's actually in that time that was like a a crushing that God would begin to crush me the more I waited the more I worshipped and the more I worshipped the more I sought him and the more I sought him the more I loved him and the more I loved him the more I knew him and it's a process of persevering and pressing in. That God who will never let you down. That God who knows. And it numbered the very hairs on your head. He's ordered the times and the seasons. And here's a a closing thought. Words that sparked the great Welsh revival that I shared with you earlier. These words, Evan Roberts. They're in a prayer meeting. Nobody was preaching. Don't overlook the prayer meeting, folks. Jesus said, My house will be called the house of. Jesus would retreat in prayer. Lord, teach us to preach. Doesn't is that just me, or would that would be my qu- Lord, teach me to preach. He said, teach us to pray. We're going to. Abram's gonna cover that tomorrow. Our oh, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God, forgive us of our trespasses. Lead me not into the testing, the temptation. God, deliver me from evil. Teach us how to pray. Oh, if we could, is that our cry today? Lord, teach I, it's mine. Lord, teach me how to pray. I don't ask him, teach me how to preach. Because if I'm filled with prayer and filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God is going to say, just like Jeremiah, open your mouth and I will fill you with my Spirit. You will pull down and you will root down. You will upheaval of the land. You will destroy it and you will build it. You will encourage it. The Spirit of the living God can speak boldly through you when you're yielded to that influence by the power of prayer. Where all this comes from where a lot of preaching comes from that moves the heart, it comes directly from the prayer closet. As the person sits and asks God, Lord, I empty myself of me. Fill me of your spirit. And you open the word of God. It comes alive. And the principles come out and the dedication, the obedience, and the repentance. And God says, here's what I want you. I'm going to fill up your soul above capacity. That's why his word is in my heart like a burning fire. It sh- it's shut up in my bones. I can't hold it back. And then it comes out and it begins to it begins to encourage it begins to uplift it begins to shape it begins to revive it begins to renew all from the prayer closet so the words that sparked the great welsh revival oh god bend me oh god break me like romans 12 i beseech you paul's begging is basically begging and i feel like doing this a lot i, I would beg those listening beg the beg you by the mercies of God. In other words, look how merciful God has been. Look at what He is offering. That you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Basically, He's saying put your corpse on the altar and let the fire of God come down upon it and let that fire never go out. Keep that fire burning. Keep the presence of Christ burning. Yes, it's a battle. Yes, it's difficult. I might feel great tonight, but tomorrow all hell could break loose, but I know that God, I serve and I will be here tomorrow seeking His face regardless of how I feel. I'll get on my knees and I'll call down heaven. I'll pray for my children. Pray for my marriage. Pray for our nation because I know He is a God who hears and He's attracted to weakness and brokenness. (laughs) God, I don't want to preach. I want lives changed. I don't want to fire up the cheerleaders. I want us to come to repentance. And he also, in, in his journal, in the this is all biblical, there's four things that, this, that preceded the revival. And actually, Evan Roberts, the pastor didn't want him to speak at the church. So he said, well, just go preach to like 17 youth. And the youth caught on fire. Pastor said, You know what? Maybe you should speak. And the fire from that service lasted the whole year. Twenty-five years old. Actually got caught up in some strange doctrines, wore himself out, nervous breakdown, and we didn't hear of Evan Roberts again. So you have to be careful, you have to steward the anointing. You have to rest, you have to worship. But these things were prominent then, and it's prominent now, it's prominent, And any time God's going to move deeply and profoundly in your life, these things need to take place. Number one, confess any known sin. Right now, if God's convicting you tonight, that needs confession needs to take place just between you and God if you need to. Or between you and someone else. You can't hold on to sin because it's like a cancer. There's a major sin destroying the church that being pornography. A major sin destroying the church that being disunity. Bitterness, reconcile immediately with others. Don't you feel good when you pursue peace? If there's people even tonight, say, you know I forgive you. We need to move forward. I can't I can't hold this in. Confession of any known sin, and then number two, put away any doubtful habit. I love the wording on that because if you're wondering, hmm, should I give that up? Well, hmm. <laughs> it's called conviction. It's called conviction. We just answered this question Tuesday at the men's study. This question about uh came up as it always does on, on you know, alcohol and should I drink and different things. And I said, you know, any time I answer this over the last couple of decades, it's, to my knowledge, it's always from someone who's struggling, looking for a loophole. Those who have no issue, they don't remember even when the last time it was, a six-pack and stay in the refrigerator for three months, they don't ask that question. See, a doubtful habit. Because what it's doing, it's gnawing on you. The Holy Spirit's convicting I don't know, should I give that up? Is that really God? I don't know. We make excuses. Put away any doubtful habit. Why? Because that conviction is not being responded to. And when when you're convicted about something and you don't respond accordingly, you quench and grieve the Spirit of God. You can't be revived or experience revival if you're, quen- you, you want, you're saying, I want the fire of God, but you're dumping water on it. How's that working out? Oh, I want this fire. Well, I got five gallons of water. Oh, what happened? I want this fire. Here's five gallons of water. I want this fire. Get rid of any doubtful habit that God is convicting you of. Number three, obey the Spirit promptly. Amen. Obey the Spirit promptly because what happens with delay? <laughs> Excuses. You know what? That, no, that wasn't God. No, Shane was just getting loud and fired up. I was convicted then, but I'm not convicted anymore. I, I need that. I need that. I need that to calm down. I need that. I, that person did such and such to me. And we we the longer we delay the harder it is to often break that habit or to sever it because we give sin a stronghold in our life. Isn't that true? The root of bitterness, we're supposed to pull it out. James also talks about aborting sin right when it's conceived because as it grows fully grown, it brings forth death. And so this is is key. Obey the Spirit promptly. God tells you to do something, do it. Do it. Whether it's repentance or confession. And it's interesting today at the bank, um, I was pulling some money out because we told you we were going to help some families and different things. Um, and I'm, I'm there and this lady behind me, I can tell I look like, oh man, I don't know. She's Maybe she needs some help financially. I said, well, Lord, I don't know if it's you. I know you, I feel it kind of. I don't know if it's me. Like just... Uh. Lord, show me. I'll, I'll obey, but I need to know if it's you. I mean, that's, you know. And then, you know, like, let her just say something. Like, what are the chances of that, right? And so the bank teller goes, okay, Shane, thanks. We'll see you next thing. And she goes, Shane, Pastor Shane, oh my goodness. I've been to your church I like eight years. I'm like, oh, there you go. That's my cue. That's my cue. And so, gave her some money. She starts crying in the Wells Fargo line. I'm hugging her. And she's like, I'm here to give... give get money for my sister to help her out she's in a worse spot than me I go here's some more my goodness you're breaking me down here but see promptly promptly fix that relationship fix that relationship promptly not not later not not next week not if they call you fix it now deal with it now repent now that's when you get, because when that takes place, that obedience brings joy. I obeyed the Lord. I'm so full of joy. That's why many of you are, are, are like a refrigerator. You're sitting on the ice cube even though we're singing about the fire of God because you're not obeying the Spirit of God. And there's no spiritual life when we're quenching and grieving the Spirit. Spiritual life is a direct reflection of somebody fully surrendered to God. Yes, they still deal with junk, of course, but they deal with it. They confess it. They get rid of it. That's what I always want to do. I always want to pursue unity. And I often do it to a fault sometimes. Is everything okay? I ask people. Are you okay? Is there any issue? Is there any offense? I want to err on the side of grace. And always pursuing that. And then fourth, confess Christ publicly. Confess confess Christ publicly. Salvation begins with a desperate prayer to be renewed, to be revived, to be restored, to be refocused, to profess Christ publicly. So many of you, I'm sure, if you're Christians, of course you're here tonight, but even outside, I wasn't going to tell that. I know she was a pastor. If God if God showed me to help her, I was going to just bring her the Gospel. and 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 not being embarrassed of Jesus, that will always fuel the flames of fire. Not being embarrassed, so maybe when you go out this week, confess Him publicly. You don't have to hold up a sign or anything, but say, here's how Jesus changed my life. Can I pray for you? Be open to what the Spirit of God is doing. That's revival. That's renewal. Can you imagine if this entire group would just go out and minister to a few people this week? It would be life-changing. But the truth is, most people don't talk about Jesus because it's too uncomfortable. I don't want to go there. I just want to get into coals and do my thing. I just want to get, it, get into the mall and do my thing. I just want to get here and get, i got busy, busy, busy confess Christ publicly,